0: Spirit of living God, fall fresh now on this preacher and on these, your children, whose blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, flows through their life and indeed the vein of their existence. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Brothers and sisters, we continue our series today, The Kingdom. K-I-N space, D-O-M, of God. And I'm using for a working definition, noted theologian Ada Maria Issa Diaz. This definition, as she says, I recall hearing kingdom from a friend who was a nun as an alternative to language of kingdom a word fraught with colonialism, oppression, and imperial violence. Jesus, she wrote, used the kingdom of God to invoke an alternative order of things over and against the political content of the Roman Empire and its Caesar, the actual kingdom and king at the time. Jesus wanted an alternative route where people lived into a family model governed by the rubric of love. The great apostle, though, brothers and sisters, gives us a very difficult challenge today. The great King kingdom builder Paul writes to Corinth, Be of one mind. Think about it. In our increasingly contentious, divided United Methodist Church, divided society and world. Paul writes God wants the kingdom, the family of God to have the same mind. And if I'm going to be honest, it's hard for me to have the same mind as my children. Yet, this is what the great apostle says God is calling us to do. But, but let me couch Paul's statement with this. This isn't a live and let live approach or an indication that nothing matters as long as we're nice to each other. This is not a anything goes in our relationship approach. But Paul argues that the family of God needs to take a higher place in the world than we might think. In the United States, we sometimes overvalue the individual and the branches of our Christian faith. Some say that it's all about me and Jesus, my relationship with God and to Jesus Christ. What I do. With Jesus is none of your business Paul argues for something other than that family the individual is essential but so is the church the kingdom and the family of faith we are in this together with Jesus again and again and again the gospel indicates that we are not to be in this by ourselves that we are made to work together. We are built to use our common gifts to overcome the world. We are meant to be reconciled and we are meant to be in relationship with God and with each other. If one of our prime values in building up the body, the family, the kingdom has to approach disagreements, Differences and other squabbles that happen to come up in the family. We have to approach it with the clear goal that in the end, reconciliation must happen. We want to prefer, preserve the family and not be right. Being right in a disagreement will never, never bring harmony. This influences us. How this influences how we argue, how we resolve differences of our varieties, interpretations of Scripture, how we arrive and settle differences on the application of the gospel in our lives. On well, last week, we celebrated how God has gifted all of us individually with gifts. This week, Paul and God wants us to look at how we use those gifts in relationship with each other. We can celebrate the life of the kingdom in fellowship, in learning together and serving together with the gifts that God has given us. We can rejoice in our reach, which is always greater when we work together than separately. There is an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go together. We are in this for the long haul. The way to the kingdom of God is straight and narrow, but we are built for this. We are gifted to help each other make the kingdom a reality. And a long new way. We live by kingdom rules. We show kingdom values and we rejoice in kingdom priorities, which sometimes means I set aside my personal preference for the good of the whole. But more often than not, we realize that my personal good is fulfilled by the good of the whole family. A local church, the local church, was born of God as an outpost of heaven. And we are linked by the blood of Jesus to every other outpost God has established to pursue the same common goal, to save the world. If we are tired of hearing about mass shootings, if we are tired of hearing about another street burnings, we have to get busy as a church and use our blood-bought gifts to save the world. We are co-workers with Christ, charged to build up his kingdom. The local church and its believers are set apart in Christ and therefore we are called saints. On last week, we saw the word sanctified means to be set apart, to be separated from how everybody else is living, to be separated from how the world says we are to be, to be separated by the definitions given to how we treat each other and be separated into the family of God. We are not taken out of the world, but we are left in it to be different enough to transform it. Our lifestyles, how we treat each other, has to be different. How we use our gifts has to be different. Our purposes must be different. Our goals have to be different. Each of us, each of us has a position in the body and the kingdom of God. We are all members of the same universal family. For I read, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every believer, one member of one another. There's only one thing harder than living alone, and that's living with another person. If you don't believe me, ask those who are married. Now, now, ladies, look at me. <laughs> How many times do you have to tell him to not leave this shaving stuff lying all around on the counter? It's hard living alone, even harder to live with someone else. It's difficult to win the world for Christ By yourself, it's even harder to win the world for Christ working with someone else. It's a challenge getting people to work together. There is perhaps no greater example of that than in the church, the family of God. Where every individual has talents. Every individual is gifted by God and those talents are evident. Every single person in the kingdom of God has been gifted and it's distinguishable. It's like a gifted basketball team. Everybody on the team is gifted else they would not be there. They are the best of the best. They are elite athletes. The difficulty though is getting them to pray together. Getting one team member to give the ball up to another for the good of the team. God gives us the Holy Spirit for such a person, for such a purpose. The leadership of the church has to be the people who help you discover the gifts that God has given you and then work tirelessly to get you to use those gifts together for the building of the kingdom. I often tell people, you know, pastors are talented, but probably the less, most less, the less talented people in the church, everybody else in the church is gifted with talents, but the pastor's job is to get them to use those gifts to play together for the building of the kingdom. The challenge lies in getting members to work in a harmonious fashion because we are not robots. We are men and women made in the imago day, the image of God. And in our human composition, God gives us free will. God does not mandate that we work together and use our gifts for the building of the kingdom. God does not mandate anything. God in his composition of making us in God's image has said, you have the freedom to choose in our text the apostle Paul deals with the enigma of being like minded and the mystery of how to get a church full of gifted and independent thinkers to work together to achieve one goal and one purpose Charles Oscar told the story of a lady who, two ladies who lived in a convalescent center. Each had suffered an incapacitating stroke. Margaret's stroke left her left side restricted while Ruth's stroke left her right side restricted. Both of the ladies that had happened by chance were accomplished piano players. Both had given up hope of ever, ever playing with meaning and purpose again. The director of the center set them down at a piano and encouraged them to play solo pieces together. They did, and a beautiful friendship developed from that moment. There was a single minus a purpose that brought their individual talents together. And family, that's the perfect picture of the goal of every church that serves the Lord Jesus Christ. What one member cannot do by themselves, two or three can do together if they only do it in harmony. Paul gives us three points that makes this verse in this letter to the Corinthians a little bit more easy easy to digest. Three points that he says we need to have to prevent division and promote like-mindedness in the kingdom, the family of God. Point one, he says, we must be perfectly joined Together. The truth is that we are greatly restricted when we operate alone. The two ladies could, could each pick a pick at a piano and, and play one single barren tune. There was none of the crescendos of chords and combinations of notes that created the death and fullness of a musical composition alone. Alone, each performance would have been empty and lack of substance. But together, their musical rendition was complete. The same is true of our individual talents. God imparts these gifts to us for the purpose. To use for the upbuilding of the kingdom. That purpose is never to enhance our own image or to elevate our own positions in the kingdom and in the family, but to reflect God's image and to advance the kingdom. Each talent is meant to work in conjunction with all other talents to create a full composition, a masterpiece for the master. Therein lies the definition of like-mindedness. We exercise our gifts and talents for the good of the kingdom of God and not for the good of ourselves. A woman volunteered at a hospital for differently able mentally challenged people. It was there that she met Barbara, a schizophrenic woman who was kept isolated from the other patients because she has a tendency to be violent. Through perseverance and tender persistence, the volunteer was able to soften Barbara's heart and get permission to take her to the lounge for an afternoon with the other patients. Barbara sat down, immediately sat down at the puzzle table where someone had abandoned an an all hope of completing a very difficult puzzle of a cat. Barbara said nothing to anyone in the room as she began turning over each piece of this 1,000-piece puzzle, right side up. The volunteer, thinking that it was good therapy for Barbara, just sat and watched. When all the pieces were turned right side up, Barbara became extremely frustrated, looked at the volunteer and started hollering, missing, missing, missing. The volunteer tried to console her, but it was useless. So the nurses took Barbara back to her room. When the volunteer arrived, the next day the nurse grabbed her and said, Barbara was very irritated after you left yesterday. We thought the puzzle might calm her down, so we brought the puzzle table to her room. You've got to see this. You've got to take a look at this. It's unbelievable. She led the volunteer to Barbara's room, and there on the table was a completed puzzle with one piece missing. A cat's eye. Friends, the church is like a giant puzzle. Each of you fit in a spot, a spot reserved for you by the Holy Spirit. There is no other person who can feel your spot but you. And yet, you are nothing without all the other pieces. You are incomplete. We are small, small pieces Of a larger picture, but we are also an essential part of the completed picture. Without us individually, Christ may be missing an eye or a hand or a foot. Without the gifts that you have been given by God and now are laying dormant, Christ may be missing the voice of one who can express kindness and love in their voice. Paul says that the church is incomplete until it is perfectly joined together. From his throne room, God sees the complete picture of his kingdom. Could it be that he's pointing his finger and saying, missing, missing, missing? Point two. We must have the same mind. With any team, there has to be commonality of thinking. The visions, the visions come when we start pulling in different directions. The story is told of a farmer who became blind one winter. Just before the sp- spring thaw, he lost his eyesight. He was determined to plow his fields despite of his blindness and knowing that his horses were well trained to do their work. If he could just get them out of the barn, they could do what they have been trained to do. So one spring day, he hitched his horses to the plow. First, he hitched the lead horse. This was the horse that knew exactly how to navigate the terrain to ensure that the entire field would be cultivated. Then he hits the workhorse, the one who could go all day without rest and get the field planted in time. When the harnesses were attached and the barn door opened, He gave the usual signal for the horses to leave the barn, but instead of the familiar forward trot, all he heard was a great commotion as both horses kicked and whined and kicked and whined like they were in a battle for their lives. His wife, looking out the window of the kitchen, came running to the barn to see what all this commotion was about. And there, to her amazement, each of the horses were hitched on the opposite end of the plow. They were both trying to get out of the barn to get the work done, but they were pulling in opposite directions and getting nowhere. Friends, that's a picture of a church where people are gifted, but are not using their gifts for the kingdom, All the members have valuable talents to contribute, but if we don't pull in the same direction, we get nowhere. All we get is confusion and dysfunction. There must be a commonality of purpose and direction, and that direction is upward. Whether we are a lead horse or a work horse, it makes no difference at all as long as we are pulling in the same direction. Finally it is, Paul says, we must have the same judgment. If we're going to get anywhere in building the kingdom, we have to arrive at the same verdict. We must make the same decision and draw the same conclusion. In other words, it's not enough for all of us to pull in the same direction. We must all know what that direction is and keep our focus on that direction. Not be swayed to the left or to the right. Not be swayed of the gossip and individuals that are going around. Not be swayed by what is happening in some church or that church but keep our mind on a single-minded purpose up And onward, our eyes on the prize that God has something for us to do. And God is up to something in Calvary United Methodist Church. If we all know where we're headed, we will all be equally excited to get there. One of my older preachers tells this story. He got up one Sunday determined to get the entire congregation on one accord. They were good people but too many factions in the church with differing opinions about the vision of the church and the purpose of their service of Christ. Their lack of cooperation was hindering the work of the church and its identity in the community. So he decided to take some drastic action. He began his sermon by saying, I was young, but now I'm old. I haven't got the time left that I used to have. All of us who want to go to heaven, raise your hand. Not a single hand went up. The pastor was dumbfounded. He struggled to preach the rest of the sermon, then stood at the door to greet members as they left, and one brave soul, one elderly lady, shook the pastor's hand and then paused with absolute honesty and said, Pastor, we all want to go to heaven. We just ain't ready to go yet. (laughs) And that could be a problem in our congregation. We love the Lord, we really do, but we're just not in a hurry to see him face to face. But isn't that the whole point of our salvation? Did not Christ die that we might never experience death? Did not Christ die that we might one day reign with him in heaven? Did not Jesus die that we may overcome the grave and live eternally with him? That's our common judgment, our final verdict. Guilty, but pardoned. We live and serve and work because it is the demonstration of our genuine faith in Christ and our common goal that one day we will spend eternity with him. Paul says that our like-mindedness of purpose can only happen by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to keep focus on Christ and on the cross. There is a danger, my brothers and sisters, in taking our eyes off the cross. We begin to think that life is, 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 is our own reward, that my successes are my reward from God, and heaven is just some Christian perk that comes at the end. We start thinking about our accomplishments are our own, and that we deserve more credit than we are receiving for the work that we do. We forget that the reward comes later. In this insane world, where nations are pulling against nations, and political parties are pulling against political parties, and parents are pulling against children, and employees are pulling against supervisors, and pastors are pulling against church boards and committees, Paul says that if we want to find sanity, We must learn to be like-minded. You see, a like-minded work staff moves an organization forward. A like-minded Congress moves a nation forward. A like-minded household produces children that want to be servants in the kingdom. A like-minded world would put an end to war and, also, and, and allow us to live in peace. But if none of these goals are achievable, if they are hampered by division and differencing and different opinions, lust for power, and so many other areas of dysfunction, brothers and sisters, we ought to at least be able to overcome insanity in the church. In the family of God, we at least ought to be able to work together where every member is here for the same reason, to glorify God and to one day meet our Savior face to face. The dictionary defines sanity as the ability to think independently and rationally. But the Bible gives us a new definition of sanity. God says that sanity is the ability to be like-minded, to function in harmony as a group. To the Romans, Paul said, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ, that you with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the Philippians, Paul says, he has fulfilled you, my joy, that you being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. This, brothers and sisters, is our challenge until we are called home. Each puzzle piece perfectly joined together as we show the the responsibilities of kingdom work each worker pulling in the same direction as we plow through the hardships and temptations of life, each saint serving with our eyes on the prize, our heavenly home where we hope to hear and will hear someday, well done, good and faithful serving. Each family member gifted, so gifted by God to get the work done and the Holy Spirit whispers in our souls you are built to overcome the world and redeem the world for the Lord Jesus Christ church we are what the world is waiting for we hold the key and we hold these truths to be self evident that all men and women are gifted to do the work of the kingdom. You are the most talented people on earth. Let's use those gifts, use those gifts to serve and to save a hurting world. Almighty God, thank you so much for our brother Jesus. For our brother Jesus went to a cross, not for himself, but to be crucified for me. Our brother Jesus endured the hardship of his own people turning their back on him so that the gifts that you have given us would be made plain and be evident that we need to work together in your world. Father, you have gifted us with everything we need to overcome this world. You have gifted us with all we need to make a difference right now in the midst of the communities that we live in. You've given us everything we need to make a difference in the family that you have placed us in. We beseech you now, God, continue to send your Holy Spirit among us to woo us, to challenge us. Forget about our father's business. An awesome matchless name.